fans and welcome to yet another episode of stalking carpenter <sighs> it's gonna be a goofy episode uh, i'm uh, your host mike burge and uh joined with me today joined with me as one as Entity one symbiotic today, hell creature. <laughs> as always, is the young Robert Bebe Anderson. Hello. A recent uh, subscriber to HBO Max. Yeah, I didn't want to go public with this information yet, but I do think it's probably time to let the listeners know that I do now pay for HBO Max. Um, I am watching all the things on it that I can at the moment, and I have nothing to hide anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry to out you like that, but I'm a jerk, so... That's true. I mean, this is what you do, and you're like Howard Stern, you know? That's like, that's what you're like, where you're just getting the... I don't know, what what is it, what is this show like? How is it, how is it that you've never... <laughs> like... I think I... You know who I Howard Stern you. is? I'm aware of, like, what he is, yeah. What is he? He's a radio show man, and he has long, curly, dark hair. Okay, that's, that's, alright, that's... Is that is that wrong? Well, just you, you the the way that you just use the analogy of Howard Stern, you just seem like you might know like a thing the bare two. minimum of Howard Stern, and it seems that you do even know barest of that. I know the barest of minimums regarding Howard Stern. In fact, that's my long like, curly hair radio showman. Yeah, I think right. I think he's also crass. To my oh, knowledge, that would be there. You go. That's Maybe what I was perhaps, waiting for. Perhaps raunchy. Yes. Yes. He, he, Randy, as the English he, might say. Yeah. He, he's hashtag too much. <gasps> too hot for TV, as Damn. they used to call it. Well, he has a face for radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stockton Carpenter is a uh, podcast that uh, Robert and myself are doing on covering the. Filmography of one Joan Carpenter. Ah, fuck. I fucked up. I knew I was going to mispronounce Joan, his name. Joan, uh, I think it's... It's gone, right? It's gone. Gone, gone Carpenter. Gone Carpenter, yep. Jonathan Carpenter, uh, filmmaker extraordinaire. Uh, we are uh, covering his filmography from start to finish. Two movies at a time. Uh, this episode, we are going to be covering... Um, the uh, written by duology, where both of these uh, movies are, uh, well, one of them is a written by duology. The next one will be in the next episode. Um, we're, pre- uh, we're we're covering Big Trouble in Little China, mm. starring teen heartthrob Kurt Russell, and we are also covering Prince of Darkness, starring teen heartthrob Donald Pleasance. Um, <laughs> and the reason that I say. Um, the writer duology is that both uh, Prince of Darkness and They Live were written by John Carpenter, but under pseudonyms. Yes. I believe uh, well, uh, Martin, again? Co- Mar- Martin Quartermass is this one, and Frank Armitage is They Live. Uh, but th- those uh-huh. people are not 
Not Frank and Martin. That's that's uh, just gone. That's, that's gone. gone. That's that's Joan himself. Uh, why do you think he writes under a pseudonym? Multiple reasons. Uh, most likely, given uh, the things that we will talk about at this, mm-hmm. is that um, the the studio probably did not want to pay him uh, for both writing and directing, or uh, certain hours put into Screenwriters Guild or Directors Guild, different things like that, where you just kind of have to go under a pseudonym. Yep. I wonder what my pseudonym would be. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, Howard Stern. Howard Stern. <laughs> oh, it was written by the radio, by the radio guy. Oh, that guy that's too hot for TV. Oh wow. Oh, the, the guy. I expect, this is not what I expected from him. The guy that likes boobs. He loves boobs. That guy. Yeah. I mean, who does? So anyway, I uh, can't imagine <laughs> that this is your first uh, episode. Uh, clicking on in to listen to us. These are. Big Trouble in Little China is a huge cult uh, uh, classic of Carpenter's, but in no way is uh, up there with um, many of his big ones. Although I would say that it is one of his most beloved, like uh, Halloween, They Live, um, Escape from New York. It it kind of usually is kind of tucked in there with the Kurt Russell trilogy of um, Escape from New York, The Thing, and um, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, of course, everybody forgets about that uh, that fourth one that we're that we're coming up on the the much is, needed sequel to Escape from New York. Is that Escape the last, from La? Is that the last Kurt Russell movie? Oh yeah! Wow, he ain't back after that because he was in it for the long haul. It seems like you know he was doing it. Well, I mean, let's just jump right into a big trouble yeah, in Little let's, China here. Let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Um, Big Trouble in Little China is um, a delectable little film from 1986, uh, the Vicious. year I was born. Oh. Um, it was uh, written by Gary Goldman and David Weinstein. Not. Not. No, no affiliation. No, no, no yeah. affiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and was based off of, um, it was adapted from a W.D. Richter story. Um so uh the the these uh this is uh it's a goofy fucking movie uh as is the case on most of these uh now you have not seen any of these movies you have not, not seen no and i and I knew far less about them than I even thought yes, <laughs> if I'm being I, honest I feel like you know we we've got we have um probably uh two more bangers. On the way and into our uh, Carpenter filmography, um, and then the rest are um, interesting duds mm-hmm. uh, from my experience. Gotcha. Um, Big Trouble in Little China is uh, you know a movie that did uh, not do too well uh, when it was for, when it first came out, and um, kind of uh, derailed Carpenter's um, kind of track record here. I mean, the thing did not do well. Christine did not do well. Starman did okay. Uh, uh, critically, it was really well respected, uh, which got him another big studio movie like Big Trouble in Little China. But after making Big Trouble in Little China, Carpenter, uh, eventually uh, he went on. And the next two movies that he would make over the course of the next two years were just these smaller, independent, a little bit more back to his roots on what he's doing. Prince of Darkness has loads of assaults on Precinct 13 vibes, which we'll talk about in a little bit. 
Um, but Big Trouble in Little China is something that is unlike any other movie Carpenter has made. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. I'm curious like how they advertise this movie when it was coming out. Like action uh, movie, like adventure, advent- adventure kind of. So like kind of almost like an Indiana Jones, maybe like in that Indiana name. Jones with some like kind of like kung fu, yeah, martial arts, like kind of uh, like it borders on satire, but it never actually goes there. Uh, it's definitely there's definitely a joke going on at all times that maybe the movie isn't the best at letting the audience in on. Uh, I feel like the more you watch the movie. It's more of a cult favorite than it is a good movie. It's uh, It's got yeah. a lot of really great scenes, great characters, great moments, awesome score. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little, it's a little weird movie. I love it. I So, like, I, I liked it too. And I like it for its weirdness. And, you know, it's another movie where I could see people who either grew up with it or saw it at a certain point in their lives were just like this movie fucking slaps because it's so strange so it's you it's it's uniqueness shines to me i think the things that like the 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 two things that i noticed i'm not saying we're like bad but i just noticed you know i think with cult movies like i'm not really entertaining the idea that they can be bad i think they are different but the uh constant exposition at all times is hilarious. Like, there's just so many characters being like, and this is what this means, and this is what this happening, and this is this allegiance to this mm-hmm. one. We don't have time to worry about this. We need to keep going. Mm-hmm. Which leads into my next point, is the pacing is fucking crazy. I had yeah. to keep pausing this movie and rewinding it just to be like, so where are they going again? Yeah. And, wh- and who is this person that they're yes. talking to? Like, just like this woman bursts. She's like, I'm Gracie Law. You saw me for two seconds. Yeah. I'm a main character now. What's up? And I was like, Yeah, it's uh, for the amount of explaining... That they do. Uh, things are not very easy to understand. And I no. think that's... It, it, it's the thing of, you know, how much of this is intentional. Because that's an adventure movie. Like, you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I just did about three times this weekend. Because we showed it at, yeah. <laughs> over at the drive-in. Um, but the whole movie is explaining. It's, it's an action set piece. A bunch of shit blows up and happens. And people get punched and people run. And then it's like... It's 10 minutes of people talking in different rooms and being like, well, the staff might be about this big. And there's like a there's like a symbol here. Here, I'll draw it for you real quick. And pretty much like this is going to happen in about half an hour. So like we're just going to let you know exactly what's going on so that we can just do that. And whereas in Raiders of the Lost Ark, these are all riffing on adventure serials of like, you know, the 40s and 50s, which were not being handled by um masters of cinema and storytelling and framing um big trouble in little china is doing the exact same thing with these very aggressively over the top adventure uh, martial arts kung fu flicks of like the 60s and 70s and it is doing them you know by entering in this this character of jack burton and kind of using him as like the vessel to have everything explained to him uh, so that we, in turn, the audience can understand as well. But is um, the, is the but, joke? But the joke is okay. is that he doesn't care yeah. or or get it. <laughs> so it doesn't matter to us, and I, that's why I think that it's somewhat that it's very much intentional that we are not supposed to know completely what's going on. We're just supposed to go right. This guy 
this guy controls electricity, and then the other two guys apparently are supposed to control, uh, like, wind and thunder, but they never do that stuff. Um, it's a very odd... Sometimes. Sometimes they, they do it, right? I guess. Or they do just lightning up, or whatever. There's one lightning guy, because yeah. it's supposed to be there, like, the storm. So one is lightning, uh, okay. one is wind, and one is thunder. Like, they call them thunder at one point, but, like, they don't do anything other than, like, have swords and blow up. That is true. That is true. And it only happens, and it's it's a very odd, odd little movie. The, the movie's really weird. I mean, I also, like, and, you know, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I feel like I having Kurt Russell be kind of the... the audience surrogate into this world but also unabashedly not really care much for it he's mm-hmm. trying to kiss girls and get his truck yeah. back which yeah, that's all I, I can i can respect but i also think he you know he's like this like dumb american allegory the entire yep. time yes. and also the he's he's the cowboy yes uh and so i i understood all that as i was watching the movie and i feel like that was like Maybe, like, I'm not sure how much fun Carpenter had making this movie, where your central protagonist doesn't really care about the movie itself. That So I'm like, maybe he had a ton of fun making this movie. Maybe he had a bad time. I he did know. not. He did not like making this movie. So I think I got, I, th- I think I figured yeah. out Big Trouble in Little China. So, Moving on. So, so the, the, so Prince of Darkness. Uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> so originally, uh, Clint Eastwood was supposed to play this character. And it was supposed to that be. That makes way more sense. An yeah. entire play on like the cowboy mentality of the American. And it was maybe supposed to be played a little bit more straightforward and just a little bit more like, you know, what if we got a classic cowboy protagonist anti-hero character and pop them right into the middle of like a, uh, a like a 70s martial arts kung fu mystery but yeah. we based it all in Chinatown in San Francisco you know it's all yeah. these little things that like make for a good movie but the but when they got Kurt Russell in they had an entirely different take on it they wanted to make it a little bit more goofy a little bit more funny and as the story goes is uh, this was something that Carpenter very much wanted to do and then as he was doing it um whether it's he it just wasn't as much fun as he thought it would be or more likely yeah. uh it wasn't as uh much fun and as good as the producers thought it would be um and they started giving him a lot of shit uh carpenter is um no, is known notoriously for not digging working with the studio system and producers yeah. having control over stuff uh, this movie is kind of what finally broke it for him a little bit where he goes back and makes some smaller movies and then he's going to get back into the studio stuff eventually and that's going to be uh, all stuff for another episode. Um, but this one very much is, uh, you know, this was... Let's dip the, the, the paintbrush into the old context oil and let's, mm. let's, let's cover this canvas real quick. Please. Um, this was supposed to be made by Tim Burton. Okay. Uh, Tim Burton was getting ready to make this movie. He was kind of uh, helping out with kind of like where the screenplay was going and the design elements of it and kind of the tone and feel of the pacing, I think, more than anything else. And I think that's why the pacing feels so weird is that it was a pre-established pacing from a director who is very particular, has a very particular style and edge to them. And then Carpenter was coming in and changing it up his thing yeah so at this point though what what's tim burton's career at this point of this movie coming out or at least when he's in the development of this movie like what has he done like has he even done like 
Because his first movie is uh is Pee Wee, right? Right. So this was this like pre Pee Wee. This has got to be right around. Uh, this has got to be like around Beetlejuice or Pee Wee. Okay. Um, because let's think about this. If it's uh, because um, you know, uh, Batman is is eighty nine. Mm-hmm. If if I am uh remembering correctly, let me yeah. uh. So I'm looking to. So this is 1986. Yeah, 86, and um, you know, like uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure has got to be like 85, 86, and I know Beetlejuice is 88, and Batman is 89. If I am correct on those, yes, yep, yeah. Here yeah. we go, and okay. yeah, and Pee Wee's Big Adventure is 85. So yeah, this is one of the things where he makes Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and everybody's like, "Great, what do you want to do next?" Mm-hmm. And he starts developing, um. Big Trouble in Little China ends up leaving. Uh, it's a kind of a big mystery as to why that happened. Um, most stories seem to point to Tim Burton wanted a little bit more control and they weren't willing to give it to him. Um, and so he kind of uh, scurries on over to Warner Brothers and they're like, or um, uh, not Warner Brothers for Beetlejuice, although it might be. Um, it might be. I can't yeah, remember. I, I know it's like uh, Geffy or something like that uh, did the distribution. But who knows? I don't know. Who cares? Mm. It doesn't matter. It's fucking Tim Burton. This is a podcast about John Carpenter. Uh, Kind of fell out. Carpenter comes in. Completely different take on the script. uh, Completely different attitude. And uh, it leads to kind of a goofy movie that I think this weirdness behind the scenes kind of adds to uh, some of the entertaining value. At least to someone like me who, you know, likes having a little bit of... Likes the interesting context that connects to a movie like this. Yeah. You know, I, I really like the movie for, for what it is and it's and it's, you know, goofiness and, you know, uh in less than high art elements make me laugh. I think they're great, you know, I'm I'm into it. It 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 feels, you know, very much like a cult movie, but it's also like the things that really like pique my interest about it, like the bigger picture is just like like you can't make a movie like this any like no. this movies like this can't exist anymore. You're not allowed to make this is not allowed anymore. No. At least and not the, in a big budget studio system. Absolutely fucking not. And this is kind of the beginning of something that he really that Carpenter really toyed around with with uh the fog, which is this mm-hmm. kind of uh and the, also with the thing, only with the thing it kind of transcended it and broke the mold. Yeah. Which is this kind of B movie mentality of like going into a movie and wanting to create not just the same kind of story elements of a B movie, but also like the same feeling like that you that is kind of hard to tap into because it's more than just presentation and acting and stuff like that. It's kind of all of these ingredients together whip up the recipe that is um, a B movie. And the thing is very much like a, it's based off of a B movie and it's taking a B movie plot and kind of heightening it and both or all of Big Trouble in Little China, his next three movies, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, and They Live, are very much trying to root into this B-movie mentality, and they are all done very much on purpose. Um, This has been confirmed uh, that that's what he was going for, much unlike The Happening, which was most definitely done on purpose, but nobody will ever admit that because that's the entire point. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting little movie. Um, it was a lot of fun. It's it could never be made again. Like you can't even remake a movie like this. And it's crazy. Well, to guess think what? That, they like, are. Are they remaking this movie? I think The Rock is doing it. Yeah. 
What? Yeah. <laughs> of course they're going to try and do that. Although, right. well, more power whole, to them. The whole, like, you know, Fu Manchu thing and all that stuff yeah, that's might kind of, like, scare them away. Yeah. Which, I mean, know, the thing is, the movie has, like, well, you know, for the time, and it, like, the movie has, like, a like almost an entirely Asian cast. Like, mm-hmm. that's cool. Um it's, it's, it's certainly more, not the most like culturally sensitive, I'm no, sure, but you know. I'd say, but I would say too that it, it's more like ridiculing like American sensibilities than anything yeah, else. And it's more in my white man opinion, you know. Like, I, well, it seems like it's it's a movie that's looking at Chinese culture through an American lens and is being like, how stupid are we to view these people mm. as such? Well, it's also I think you know, trying to at least pay homage to, like, kung fu movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's respectful of those things. I, I mean, I don't know enough about the genre to maybe assert that, but I don't think it's it's based in... I don't think any of the fun is really poking at Chinese culture, yeah. but who am I, I mean, to say, you know? There's, there's, like, stereotypes and stuff that maybe are a little um, less sensitive than yeah. they would be nowadays made in, like, a big studio blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've got a real dumb white guy opinion on the Fu Manchu thing, which is like, I get it. Uh, it fucking sucks. People shouldn't use it because it's hurting people's feelings and it's fucking uh, demeaning. I, I totally get that. Yeah. But it's also like, looks like a bad guy. And if it's put on a bad guy, I'm like, it looks like a bad guy. Yeah, you know, there's, I mean, there's, yeah. there's stretches that you can go to like with anything else. Um, I think and at the end of the day, if it, if it hurts somebody's feelings... And you're like, and that that makes sense. Like, then don't fucking do it. At which they're not anymore. Like, you know, they've completely rewritten characters in Marvel movies and stuff to like avoid this exact thing. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of like, it's only better to to try and not use uh, kind of like visual red herrings to like identify villains yeah. anyway. But even like you know, for the longest time, like if someone had a scar on their face or had some kind of like facial deformation it would be like oh that's the bad guy of the movie and then people were just like well this kind of sucks like the only representation i see of myself on screen which is something i have no control over is this and it's like kind of whack you know mm-hmm. just fair enough um yeah this movie's cool it's uh it's so fucking weird like i i sent you that one clip of it last night i was like yo what the fuck's going on and then like i had no idea what was in store for me as it was snowballing into what it is right yeah i i told you i was like um get ready baby uh as i was talking about when um there's an amazing twist in the third act of this gigantic great looking little beast that just shows up out of nowhere is that just how the movie ends or 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 a little bit before that just like him existing like him existing and just like i'm gonna take it down here there's like like two monsters like that and i'm like it's so weird that there's only two of these things yeah, and like, in this movie. And, and then, like, that's the end of the movie where I'm just like, this movie needs a sequel so fucking bad. Where it's just, like, yeah. Jack Burton and this, like, this fucking uh, chose just, like, fucking <laughs> rolling around America. I love the I love the design of that monster, though. I, what I really love, and it's, and it's, like, it's so Carpenter. Like, I feel like this had to have not been the script and he forced it in there. Is the mm-hmm. Is the, like, telepathic face orb creature. That is like the, I don't know what it, I don't know what the fuck it is, but you know what I'm talking about. That thing oh, is yeah. so. It looks like a, so, it looks like a uh, beholder from like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. And it's like it, it like it looks also looks like something out of the thing. And I love the design of it. And it's so fucking. There's disgusting. like there's like a goofy edge to it where you're just like they're not taking this 
they're not taking themselves too seriously yeah. when they're making these things. It, it honestly has more of an energy, like, you know, I feel like someone like, uh, like Robert Rodriguez doing like Spy Kids maybe yeah. is inspired by something like this, you know, like yeah. the way to use kind of like this like horror monster factory vibe, but but be playful with it, you know, yeah. it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, that I think Spy Kids, like those types of movies and Rodriguez in general, just like the the, the, type, of, the type of schlock movies that Rodriguez yeah. makes, like in his own way, you know, like I was just talking about Desperado the other day with a buddy of mine. Like yeah, Desperado fucks. Desperado is just like, and I actually love, um, you know, I love all three of those movies. Like uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico gets a bad rap um, because it's just... Um, like El Mariachi had the independent push behind it to really jettison that B movie uh mentality into something unique. And Desperado was just so fucking sexy and so fucking cool and so unique and original that it, it took those B movie sensibilities and turned it into something cult and original and classic. Yeah. And Once Upon a Time in Mexico is doing those same things, but it just doesn't have the charm and the gravitas. Antonio Banderas has got a couple extra years on him. Rodriguez is in this weird position in his career where he kind of doesn't know when, where he wants to go. It's got fucking Johnny Depp in it. Like it's, it just kind of has a couple stagnant spots that doesn't, that just stops it from getting to something great. But I still think that it's insanely cheesy and schlocky in all yeah. the right ways that it intends to be. Uh, and and it's a fine, a fine film. Fine movie. I think it's interesting, you know, on, on the discussion of like B movies and, and like elevating B movies to like high art, even things like that, or or even just trying to tell a B movie story that feels old in modern times. But I think the thing that I'm noticing about Carpenter, and it's like so especially true in Big Trouble Little China, is uh is just like him like like I feel like this is like B movie sensibilities, but like elevated to its like kind of like threat. Like it's at its threshold mm-hmm. right now in this movie. Like it has like such weird creatures, pretty like almost exclusively practical effects. Uh, it has like its grain to it. Like it feels cheap, but also you could tell there's a lot of money in it just by like kind of like how you know, yes, how many extras and how much work goes into the fight choreography and props and things like that. Like it's like a low budget, big budget movie. Yeah. And, and it's, and that's like a cool style, but it's such a weird place for this movie. And it's, and again, it just, it, it like blows my mind that there was a time before I was conceived where studios are just like, well, we'll just, we'll just try doing this movie where now things are, now things are so safe and calculated and there's metadata upon metadata and surveys and Mm -hmm. audience feedback that goes into making this movie that may suck, but will like target an audience. So we'll make return. Whereas like, you know, kind of, you know, it it makes me long for a time where movies could be kind of risky, even when there's a lot of money on the line. Like now when we look at risk, it's just like, are they going to do something woke in this movie? My God, my how goodness. brave, Yeah, you know? And it's like, I mean, that caters to my audience. I'm the target demo for that. I like woke, but it's just uh, different times. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to see. Yeah, and like on like the you know the 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 oddness, the goofballness, the satirical edge that this movie has, it's really mm-hmm. it's really kind of like it's almost like they're pushing a movie to be as satirical as possible without kind of breaking through the ceiling of it. Like this movie's so close to being like a self-aware Mel Brooks satire, like Robin Hood Men and Tights. Yeah, like right, it, yeah. it, it would not feel out of place at all for one of the characters to turn to the camera 
and like just Not do like a Monty way. Python <laughs> bit, but it never happens. They restrain themselves, but they allow yeah. all of the other elements to exist freely. I mean, when Kurt Russell shoots the ceiling out and it knocks him out in the beginning of like yeah. that final fight, it's just like that's it's just like you guys are like are dry humping this line of yes. insanity. Yeah, and uh, and I'm, he, I'm here for it. You know, I'm with it. What is it when he like opens the he gets ready and he opens the door and it's just like it's just filled to the brim with like guys that are trying to get in and he just like slams it shut. It's great. It's so it's funny. Yeah, it's a it's a funny little movie. I. I, I I wonder what I feel like people probably just didn't like it when it came out because it's so strange. I don't even know. I mean, what's the trailer for this movie? You know, odd like, movie to market. Yeah, uh, weird little type of movie to really try and get in there. You know, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, and it's it's just one of those movies. Like uh, some of the best carpenters have really just like they've grown over time. You know, uh, they live, which we'll talk about. In the next episode, um, which I'm really excited about because it is topical, um, mm. it's uh, it's one of the it's one of the best fucking movies ever made of the specific genre that it is isolating in on, and uh, it's it's like just one of the most beloved movies that covers that central topic, and it's insanely goofy and fun yeah. and original. It's got Carpenter all over it, and uh, the same with this movie. It's just like. It just is something that needed to kind of stew around for a little bit. It was a VHS fucking hit. Uh, and it, yeah. it, it was just something that really needed the accessibility of being able to pass around a copy of it and watch it on your own time, in your own way, on your own terms. And I think people kind of lightened up to it a little bit more as the years went on. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, cool, cool movie in the Carpenter repertoire. Um, but I feel like with uh, Prince of Darkness, it's kind of like it's Let's like it's it. it's so much a return to form. Let's fucking do it right here. All right, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna fucking say it. I fucking love Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness fucks. It's a fucking. I don't know if it fucks. I mean, you could you could it think it fucks. I mean, it slaps. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it slaps. It slaps. It slaps. All it right, slaps. fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's a like what's a um. What's an arguable? What's a what's a term for an arguable slap? It's like I think it slaps. That but, that is know, how I, you would present it. Yeah, I totally get if you don't like it. Yeah, I think it. I think it slaps. Well, I mean, my thing is just like if you like horror carpenter movies, mm-hmm. this movie like it starts off. It has the fog vibes, sure. and then as it plays out, it reminds you of the thing. Sure. It also is a movie that's exclusively about like philosophy and the dichotomies between science and religion and also is like kind of refreshing to see in the beginning of this movie where you have religion and science instead of like butting heads they're just like can you help me figure this thing out can we figure Mm -hmm. this thing out together it's just like this movie's fucking cool man it's that's my favorite part of the movie and then it's like precinct 13 too like you said where it turns into its final moments are very much like that you know yeah that's my favorite part my favorite part of this of prince of darkness is that it is this kind of high concept horror. And I, I was thinking about what it was about. And I haven't seen this movie since I was probably like 19 or 20. I saw yeah. it way back in like uh, the, the early years of college, latter years of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't remember specifically what it was going, what was going on. And I remember it was like, oh, they're in an old abandoned church. 
Uh, Satan is like bottled up in like a, a goo jar. He's a goo. He's in Ivan the basement, <laughs> and he like zombifies some people to try to get out and like release like actual like evil like that is his father and stuff. Like, yeah, I remembered very basic stuff like that. But one of the things I remember the most is that it it's kind of a high concept horror like that something that like you know not to be that plebe but like a24 would put out these days I know, uh, wait, what, what is it a24 uh what, what have they made a24 they are a hard uh well not horror specifically but they distribute some of the best horror movies of the day but they're uh, not horror movies um no they are uh they are horror movies like uh, annabelle rising or no no they've made um They've made like uh, um, Hereditary. They've made Midsummer. Oh, they make all the boring movies. Yes, the boring horror movies. Oh, yeah. I've heard some people like those, but I think you yeah, know, of course. I just fall asleep every time. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, they're they're, they're not they're not uh maybe what, bad. You're, what you're used to. Yeah, uh, but I don't it's get like, a jump scare every five minutes. I'm, yeah, I'm fucking it, out. And it's are you done? Are you done? I'm doing a bit. I love it. No, I know. Yeah, no, I, was just, I was just checking if the bit was done. It's, yeah, the bit's over now. The bit's over now, but the it'll bit's come over back. Now. You're, it'll, you're, it'll, you're safe. It'll you're come safe. back in about ninety seconds. We'll see. That's why they that's, call it. That's why they call you Howard me. Stern, man. You're the Sternster. You're so crass. That's you know what. You're just taking. They do, they do say that. You're just taking fucking chops at. Film well, ever Twitter since I got right that now. HBO Max subscription, man, wow, I've been that's... I've been so raunchy. Oh boy, <laughs> uh, this episode's fucking canceled. Um, <laughs> we're gonna start over. And this is already hey, this is already the third time we've been recording this. We've had to re-record I Big know. Trouble in Little China three times. That's why I sound so disinterested because I've already I've already I yeah. got my best parts. You know, obviously uh, I love the movie. Um, but yes, uh, and uh, not that this was what you were saying, but it is a very kind of like <laughs> weird thing to say, where it's like this is something like mm-hmm. a a horror movie about Satan trying to get released from years of imprisonment. That is uh, rooted through the storytelling lens of religion and the stories that we have told about it and science and cold hard fact. Faith versus fact. Um, And how these two things butt heads, how they lie to one another, how they can help one another, how them working together can actually be the worst thing that could happen or the best thing. Uh, It's an insanely interesting concept to come up with. And I think that using something that is as uh, dare I say it, high concept as that, um, to tell this kind of, you know, just corridor zombie B movie, like Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatcher stuff, I think is, um, I think it uh, slaps that ass. I think it's exactly what's get, what gets me whopped. Uh, I fucking love it. Yeah. I, uh, Am I, I allowed to all. say, is that is that the term, whopped? It gets me whopped? It gets me wet I mean, ass, it, it gets me wet ass pussied? It get, yeah, if, yes. If that is what you're trying to say, then yeah. you're doing it correctly. Good. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's only the only criticism I could have against the movie is is something I would have against I think a lot of movies that are like high concept like that. Um, is that you know a lot of characters are fun, but they're not very interesting. They don't have a ton of development. No. Um, well, there's there's fucking too many of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's and, so many of them, and they're and, but they're fun though, and that's they're fun. Yeah. And they, I love that the movie constantly makes fun of the fact that they have so many characters that they can't keep count. Characters will ask each other, like, where's Susan? And they'd be like, like who's, who's that? that? And like, you know, yeah. with the glasses. And you're like, oh, yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know who Susan is. And they're like, with the glasses. No yeah. I thought I thought that the girl in the beginning of the movie was the first zombied girl for the longest time. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, where'd she go? Like, where, <laughs> where's that one? Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, no, I think the movie's so cool. Um, and again, it's it's really like a return to form for Carpenter. It, it must have been refreshing for him to make this movie. Yeah, or not, I would I imagine know. so. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, he he had uh, notoriously uh, both this and They Live. These were his smaller movies, almost like a vacation for him from the studio stuff that yeah. he was kind of used to, that, it, that he had come to kind of like resent. Um mm-hmm. Uh, neither of the n- n- this movie was also not uh, very well received, especially critically. A lot of people bashed it. It's another movie that has kind of grown cult status uh, a little bit um, further on. This was one that kind of really started yeah. coming back more recently within the past like 10, 15 years. I was gonna say with like Carpenter heads, with people who are you know super super in love with Carpenter, what does this movie stand? With those people, if you know. Uh, for Carpenter Heads, this is one that's like at the top of the list once you get out of the bangers. You know, your okay. Halloweens, like Halloween, Escape from New York. The, the, the all-timers. These boom, are your boom, all-timers. Boom. Yeah. This one's more in line with like The Fog or, yeah. um, you know, John Carpenter's Vampires, which we'll get to. These movies that don't really have that strong of a legacy, but um, yeah. in actuality kind of slap in their own way. It definitely, it definitely slaps. Like, I, I feel like Carpenter took, like, a few quantum physics classes and was just like, man, I want to talk about this shit. It's yeah. so cool. And it's and like, like I, it's yeah. taking the mentality of, like, you know, slasher movies where it's like, kill a guy with a bike rail and, you know, do all this stuff. Yeah. And then at the end, you really get into this weird kind of Carpenter, Cronenberg-esque kind of body horror. Uh, the, the Donald Pleasant's chopping that motherfucker's head off like and then just and like then picking just it like, up and shoop. putting it back on and then the arms like shooping out it's, it's like so it's cool. goofy shit that kind of comes out of nowhere that like is cool once again the biggest thing with the movie and this is going to be true of all of carpenter's movies he's got three bad movies coming up but the best things about them is that they look fucking slick that guy knows yeah how to fuck around with a camera he knows how to use his actors right this movie looks so fucking good well, I mean, he does. He just he does single setting movies. So that's so that's. Well, I was know? gonna say the yeah. the basement set of this movie with like all the crucifixes so on the wall, cool. all that all that yeah. science uh, equipment and everything that's like not plugged in and doesn't look like it's doing anything and it's running the no. same three screens. And then that big green vial in the middle. It's one of my favorite sets in the movie. Period. I fucking love it. It's very cool. I love the vial. I love. Like the design of it, where it feels like very because you know the the concept that he discusses in the movie or is the fact that like gods are extraterrestrial beings and now they're trapped here or they're like trapped in like our like other sphere or like our mirror world and it's like it's like oh that stuff's so cool yeah and like the difference between like obviously a movie like Big Trouble in Little China and this movie are like apples and oranges like you know but you know. Big Trouble, Big Trouble in Little China is like always explaining itself and like what to do next. Where this movie's like explains some things and leaves a lot of things vague. It's very like theory based mm-hmm. and all that's like really fun to chew on as like an audience member and like yeah. watching it. It's it's cool. This movie's cool as fuck. Yeah, I I was surprised by how much I liked it. I was like, oh, this, this is badass. Yeah, Prince of Darkness was one that I tried to say the least about to you because not only was it the one that I've probably had some of like the smallest interactions with. Um, yeah. Uh, it was the one that like, you know, it's one of the Carpenter movies that I've only seen once, but it's the one that I like the most of those, you know, like Vampires, Ghost of Mars, um, 
uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. These are movies that I have seen like once a long time ago that I do not have like fond memories of. Um, Although vampires, I'm pretty sure I'm going to fucking love. Uh, We'll see. Excited. Um, But yeah, I was really excited to see, like, I wanted to get your full on opinion of Prince of Darkness because I was kind of like, I don't remember. Like, I don't know if this is for everybody. I remember kind of liking it, but that was also like, you know, fucking 15 years ago. I don't know. Yeah, no, I was, I was in, I was, I was strapped in just from the beginning. Um, it's always nice to see Donald Pleasance again, you know. Just showing up, doing the work. Just just coming in. I think it's only been one movie since I've seen it. Or no, probably it was, it was two. Because he's not in The Thing. Uh, and he's not in Big Trouble Little China. Nope, no, yeah, he's the president and escaped from New York. Yep, so that was, that was the last thing. time I saw him. So it's always good, you know, seeing, seeing a member of the fam back. Uh, I also really like uh, Dennis Dunn. His character bringing up, uh, you guys should go to a nice Chinese restaurant at one point. And it's of like, course. oh, because his character in the last movie went to a Chinese restaurant. Very funny, very yeah, good. Yes, yes, yes. I like all that stuff. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. There's cool. a uh, if we can get uh, if we can get Howard Stern crass real quick. I wanted Please. to bring this. I was gonna not bring this up, but the Stern joke at the beginning kind of has uh, serendipitously allowed me to do this. Um, there's an actor in this movie whose name is Dirk Blocker, and I thought his name I thought his name was Dick Blocker for like a hot second. When you see well, it in I that mean, John Carpenter font, I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" There's a guy, Dick Blocker. It's Dirk Blocker. Dirk Blocker. Which that's it. That's name? the joke. There's no. He's um uh the big kind of like uh the the bumbly dude that like gets his neck broken. Oh, he's he like dies for or early dies on. He's like first, one of the first yeah. ones. Yeah. 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 Uh, really fun movie. Absolutely love it. Um, it's got one of my all-time favorite endings. Uh, I love that. Cool. I love they that give you that jump scene. scare just just for like. Oh, by the way, like. And then he stands I, up and like he's looking like a fucking snack. Which the whole movie I've been like, this guy looks like a fucking golf goof. He looks like, like I a, don't like a he looks like a weirdo. The snack looks like a fucking too, weirdo. I don't but like then it, he like no. stands up and I'm just like, yo, this guy's like kind of like ripped, ripped like Toby Maguire from Spider-Man and I'm yeah. like, all right, I get it. And the music in this is great and I was like, oh my god, is it going <clears> to <throat> cut before he touches the mirror? <gasps> Cinema! Cinema! Ah! Uh I love uh, well, so, you know, in that scene, I thought we were just gonna. I thought the implication, and it's still very well could be. Yeah, I thought the implication is that uh, the girl who saves the day, she will be coming outside. Like she will, she will reemerge in the year nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So she kind of time travels, which I still, I guess that still could be the case. You know, yes, it is left up. The, the movie's ma- main basic point is that um, what we perceive to be the devil, and we'll just call it evil. Yeah, uh, is in all of us at a subatomic level. That mm-hmm. there is light and dark in us on equal planes, and it just depends on the balance of the outside world on which one is <clears throat> in control at any given time, because they are just otherworldly, extraterrestrial. Not even in the sense of like outside, but also within and without and around and inside uh, yes. other dimensions and stuff that. It's in all of us. And that's like that ending is him being like, it doesn't matter that we stopped it. It's still here. The control's not just not there. And, you know, the whole movie has been this guy is really kind of out of control of the situation, which is exemplified in the very beginning where he makes a very crass, very Howard Sterny joke 
Um, that kind of makes her upset. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, that's sexist. And he's just like, he's got a great reaction. Where he's just like, I don't fucking care. And he just keeps like, he's doing like certified sexist over here. Yeah. Um, and th- that it's like, you know, that he's been a guy that's been kind of out of control of his, um, of his predicaments for the entire movie. And he's kind of judging that on like, is that, is that indicative of like, maybe I'm closer than some to this kind of taking control and me being something that might, that there might be something wrong with me. Could I possibly travel through this mirror? Am I the one that's going to unlock evil? Am I, and that's the entire idea is that evil is within all of us and it's our acts and the things that we do that are going to allow the ultimate evil to take over. And that's how Satan wins. Satan in like the science term of evil. It's like, it's a very fucking cool concept for a movie that's really at the end of the day just a body count guy exactly yeah for sure it has all of these like really deep theoretical uh conversations and debates happening throughout it throughout it but at the end of the day it's 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 far more concerned with like its body count and it's kind of like how we get to it's like denouement but i i also i love the design <laughs> i love like you know all all of, you know we're following the prince of darkness is, is who is in the vial yes you know he's the son of of satan Mm-hmm. And he's trying to pull his dad out of the mirror world. And uh, I love, like, you only see the devil's arm for a little bit, but it's, like, beat red and, like, classic devil looking. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's, like, the most normal looking, like, thing you'd presume to be in this movie. Yeah. I thought that was very funny. Um, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's it's very, like, does this movie predate the, the Exorcist or? No. Okay. No, Exorcist is 70s. So it's got to be inspired by that in some way too. Yeah. The, oh yeah. The there's pukes, definitely. The pukes, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. I love that. I love the the yeah, little I mean, squirt yeah. gun thing where they're it's just so like, well, zombies like, bite each other. So how do these guys do? And I was like, I don't know. They just. Bleh. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. <laughs> I love the uh, <laughs> the very easy camera effect of like you know the the pool of green goo collecting on the ceiling. Love that. Yeah. Love it. Uh, Simple. You know, simple stuff. It's like, an absolutely horrifying image of um, uh, when the, uh, the the secondary main character, when she jumps and pushes uh, the son of Satan through the mirror. And then the mirror yes. is broken because Donald Pleasance throws it like a fucking champ and nails it. And, um, you know, uh, Henry, I love that it's like water. Like it's like a yeah, water world. There's like a water world. Uh, so Kevin cool. Costner's yeah. water world over there. And just like that. Um. 1986 Henry Cavill is like no and um you get this quick shot of her on the other side in the water reaching it. out to try and get out of the mirror and, and it's like, obviously it, like, it looks like, like a dummy and it's lifeless but it's terrified and you only get it for a moment I watched it like eight times I kept rewinding 10 seconds it's so I, was like, good, I have to see that again it's truly chilling truly horrifying and it's an insanely um it's an insanely well-reserved use of a great shot. They could have stuck yeah. on it for a while. They could have gone to it again. They give you two seconds and they're out. And that it makes looked, it a little yeah. bit... that That's that less is more kind of mentality that Carpenter is really good at when he is willing to utilize it. I'd love to get like a an artist's rendition of that and like hang it up or something, you know? It's so, it's so like ethereal and it, and it looks like like legendary like uh you know like a michelangelo painting or yeah. something like not to get too insane about it but like just like her like reaching through trying to reach back through the veil like mm-hmm. in this floaty watery blackness it it's where you know the the world of light is on the is the 
It's on the other side, but the door's closed. It's all very cool shit, man. It's all very cool. Uh, it's it's cinematic language. Says a lot. It also I, I hate the ants. I hate the ants. I hate the ant guy when he's all anted up and he's like, and his head falls off. I was like, I hate it. It's great. I hate it. Thank Did you. Did you know Moving also on. that's uh, the main, like, if I were to tell you the main uh, street urchin, you'd know who I'm talking about, right? Like that guy. The main street urchin in, in what? In, in Prince movie? of Darkness. Like the main one that we see, that we keep cutting oh, back to. Oh, the guy with the black hair. Yeah. And, he's, and he has like his pale skin. Yep. That's Alice Cooper. You know, I thought he was going to be somebody because they, they just show him constantly. Yeah. And I was like, he looks like kind of like a like a metalhead guy. But he ends up not doing anything, really. He's just no, kind of I mean, he gets, he gets the bike kill in the beginning. He right? gets the bike kill in the beginning, and then, and then after that, you kind of don't see him anymore. And it's like, I feel right. like he should have been, I mean, it would make more sense for him to be the, the ant person, but they needed it to be one of their people so they could be like, oh, he's normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he is. He is not. And it's funny, I I remember that he was in it, but I didn't remember to what degree he was in it. And I, yeah. you know, this movie is always referred to as like the Alice Cooper, Satan, John Carpenter movie. Or like the John Carpenter movie that's got Alice Cooper in it. And you're just like, well, I guess that's not wrong. He is in it, but like... Yeah, is, eh. was this movie like very much... Um like uh did the did the religious right have a notable hatred of this movie or is that I mean, just hearsay? fucking probably i don't know yeah well you know like like something like last temptation of christ it's just no like, yeah it's uh, like to like, my oh, knowledge it doesn't have something on the level of exorcist and last temptation of christ where gotcha. it was like you cannot do this cool because i was watching because i feel like I, I feel like that's the thing I've heard about Prince of Darkness. It's just like, oh, this movie's fucked up. I mean, I was watching yeah, it. It's, it's not any more fucked up to me yeah, as his other flicks. I feel know. like, you know, Last Temptation of Christ, they were like, you know, their big thing with that movie was like, because Jesus fucks. And they're like, Jesus yeah. does not fuck. And, you know, with Exorcist, they were a little bit more lighter because they're just like, well, Satan's bad. It's saying Satan is bad, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's some disrespect shown to, you know, it's, it's kind of like just like, you know, have you heard this the 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 nonsense with birds of prey where like uh oh no you and mcgregor and chris mancini's character are like coded as queer and it's meant to be kind of just like this like they're that's their infragility that they can't be honest with themselves about how they feel but then that also means that uh the queer characters are the bad guys and so it's saying that there's this thing going around, and it's uh, it, it's this whole why thing. Are come, where it's why like, are we coming after Birds of Prey now? I don't fucking know. I it think it's out. left over from somewhere before. Uh, I don't fucking. But it's it's this uh, idea that people who are bad are going to have to do bad things. So when the bad guy in The Exorcist is masturbating with like a crucifix and is like saying like Jesus is fucking stupid and a dank ass dummy, like that's not what the the, the dankest of dummies. Yeah, he's the dankest dummy ever, man. <laughs> that ever walked. He's ever big met. ass dummy. He's such a dank dumb. Yeah, uh, yeah. That they they think that because they're stupid, you know, mm. and not that all people who believe in religion are stupid, but you know, sure. there's just like any other group of people. There's a lot of dummies that um they they think that that is like kind of an endorsement of uh. You know, like, uh, oh, like, people, Satan's, uh, that's that's the way to do it. It's like, no, they're the bad guy. You're not yeah. supposed to do the things that they're doing, you know? And being queer is not one of those things. They're just the bad guy. A bad guy can be queer, a woman, black, yeah, Asian, white, male, straight. Whatever. can be anything. It's just a bad guy. It's a thing that's about them 
that doesn't matter. That it's like they could have a scar. They couldn't. It doesn't matter. They're a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I like when movies featuring diverse casts have to go up against straight white men who are bad. That's always <laughs> like, fun. I mean, I, that's that's always fun. It's like, yo, take these guys down a peg, as well. yeah. please. Yeah. I get it. Well, I mean, not straight, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not here for that Birds of Prey discussion. No, as much. no we can I move mean, right on from that, please. Yeah. I don't want to touch it at all, please. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, how, like, where you were going with it originally. I was just like, oh, yeah, I buy that. Oh, wait, I, I'm less subscribed to this. Right, yeah. No, like, yeah. that's there. The coding is definitely there. But yeah, that's a, the that's fact a, that you want to have an yes. issue with it is kind of like, yes, all right, let's. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Have fun with that. Um, but, yeah, like, it's. Prince of Darkness, like, uh, Satan's obviously the antagonist. He is... Of this movie? He is a no-good boy. Uh, That's the thing Carpenter does so well, too, where he does, like... Like the the villain of the film is, like, its ambiance. Like, it's... it's, he, He... He's so good at, like... At, like, not having a specific bad guy. He's He always has, like, systemic evil. Yeah. You know? Where it's, like, it it's... It's unseen. It doesn't really have, like... Like that. That's why. Like the thing is so interesting, and it's it's almost like Lovecraftian in the way where it's just like its transmission doesn't quite make sense. It just kind of appears mm-hmm. and brings about insanity. Its form is not concrete or like anything that we can understand. It just like is craziness, and and it's so cool. And this movie like has a little bit of that there as well. And even Big Trouble Little China try, tries <laughs> tries to sneak it in there at times. Yeah. Because he doesn't explain how the magic works, which is which is also like really it's cool. cool. Yeah, like, it's pretty neat. He'll explain everything else in that fucking movie, but he won't tell you like how magic operates. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's great. I eat a sandwich like Jack Burton in my car all the time. I love you're, it. You're a little bit of a Jack Burton, yeah. You're that. Aw, thanks. You're that vibe. His boots in that movie are crazy. His Did boots in that movie already? are crazy. They're. I. I was like, this is almost as crazy as the entire movie. The boots he's wearing. He's got a great shirt. That shirt fucks. He's got I a great find, jacket that's over find the that shirt, shirt beforehand. And he has when a he, good sweater at the end, too. He's, he's good, fucking like, good. He, he knows how to fucking dress. He's an absolute fucking queen. Um, I also like how he gets, you know, by the end of the movie, so his total winnings during this movie, right, is he wins $1,480, and he doubles that because Homeboy couldn't cut the bottle in half. Mm-hmm. And then he gets the check for the next $1,480. He and triples like, it instead, yeah. Oh, he does. I thought it was. I thought he doubles it. I thought it was double or nothing. It was double or nothing, and then he gives him the and check, he and he's it. like, "He said I tripled it. You earned it." Okay, so then I guess he. Uh, okay, so he, he gets he has a pretty check. He, he has a good chunk of change. He made up. I just thought good. he was funny because in my head he has like a little bit over two thousand dollars. He's like, "Looks like I'm never seeing you fuckers again." Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I do love the yeah, ham he's got sandwiches. Like thousand dollars, and he's just like, yeah. "I'm rich now." I think that's supposed to be a joke. He's um, an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, like that he has. A, I like that he's a podcaster as well. That's he is a podcaster. Simil- that's another similar thing that you guys yeah. have in common. You need to. You movies. need to stand the king. He is. He is mm-hmm. the podcaster. The original. The, the OG. OG. The OG. <laughs> um, I, I was watching. Uh, I was watching Romancing <laughs> yeah. the Stone. I watched that movie for the first time. Robert Zemeckis's first uh, flick. I don't even know. Uh, what that's about. Or like not his first, but like I think it's his third, but like one of his first big ones. Um. Uh, one of his first movies is Used Cars that has Kurt Russell in it, and it's one of the best Kurt Russell performances I've ever seen. Highly recommend watching that movie. It is a weird fucking movie. Um, it's kind of gross. Uh, your Howard Stern mentality would love it. 
Um, oh, great! Because you know me, I'm. You, you, that's I'm like that. that's what they call you, the Howard Stern of the Sternster, uh, the Sternster, the Stern man. Yeah, crass ass. Um, in uh, Romancing the Stone Michael Douglas's character collects birds and they all got let go Uh, he's in the jungle collecting birds to make money and at one point it's like at this point me Mike Burge human being watching the movie it's like 2.30 in the morning Uh, it was like after working all day over at the drive-in with you uh, Mm. I'm really tired I think I just scarfed down like a 7-Eleven burrito I'm not feeling too hot no. <laughs> and uh, I'm a little bit more open to being kind of vocal. I'm by myself. Um, mm-hmm. And Michael Douglas's character is rattling off bird names. And he's like, oh, that bird, you know, those go for like, you know, 200 apiece. And uh, I had like a couple of these birds. And, you know, those things can go for, you know, anywhere between 600 and 800 apiece. So I'd say I probably lost about $15,000 with that. And he said that and I went damn that's a lot of money for birds like i said that out loud no one else around <laughs> but it was just like shit. it was like a knee-jerk reaction and just like a <clears throat> reflex i was like damn that sounds like a lot of money for birds yeah you know, i don't know the i don't know the market value of birds even back then even back then. you know so the inflation on birds can only be you know that could be but ten thousand hundred thousand dollars both i and, and my subconscious between. are aware that damn that's a lot of money for birds that's a lot of money for birds Damn. So anyway, that's been the Romancing the Stone Corner. That's our most famous segment on this podcast. Cool. Haven't seen that movie. I'm assuming I'm going to take the title very literally. It sounds gross. Um, it's a uh, Indiana Jones romance movie. Oh, sounds. It's uh, pretty cool actually. There's a yeah. there's a great bit where one of the bad guys is always just like, "Take a look at these snappers," and he's got like alligators and stuff, and he does it like six times throughout the whole movie, and you mm. think like this guy's gotta eventually end up in. Like an alligator pit or something like that. Sure, that's the foreshadowing. That but is, uh, it, it kind of twists and goes somewhere else. I won't ruin it for anybody uh, that hasn't please. seen it. It's pretty. It's pretty funny. Very cool. So yeah, that's Prince of Darkness. Anything else you got on uh, on that guy? No, nah, man. I think those movies are cool. Uh, what's the, next? Is They Live and and what? Uh, next is They Live and Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Mm. Is this an adaptation of? H.G. Wells, The Invisible Man, in it, some capacity? Uh, is, it is um, most likely... I mean, let's see if they even... They have to, like, like use obviously that. use characters. Yeah, is it... Is Adrian, I think, Gideon or whatever is is the OG character's name? Or Griffin. It's something like that. Uh, H- no, that was that's Watchmen. My bad. What's that? Uh, the name of the character in Invisible Man who's, like, The Invisible Man. It's uh, I, I said Adrian's Gideon, but that's not right. It's, like, something... Griffin. It's Griffin, yeah. Yeah. Is um, that the name of the character in this movie? No, his name is Nick Holloway. That sounds familiar, uh, too. And I'm looking through the other guys, because this is obviously very much a... If if I remember correctly, this is very much a... Um, someone else develops this thing, and goofball dickhead McGee Chevy Chase gets it, but uh, I can't... <laughs> this, this poster's crazy. Isn't that poster fucking great? <laughs> it's crazy looking i'm so happy you looked at the post (laughs) (laughs) so it's like oh they're doing like the like the same way they do it in the original with the bandages oh oh no they just got blur tool and they just uh so click are you on imdb yeah yeah okay so what you need to do is you need to click on that and look at the top banner oh 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 yeah that's and you're seeing it from behind right 
Now, yeah, that's wait one second until it slides. Is it? Is it this one? No. Uh, this is because I'm looking. I'm looking at this. Wait. All right. Get ready. It's about to slide. Here it comes. Oh my God! Please. I don't know if it is. Please. Slide. Slide. Uh, once to the left. That's that's what this is. All right. Slide again. You'll know it when you see it. Keep going. Wait. Is it this? No. Uh, this is, is not good audio. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to... He has a gun in his face. This is a funny face. Oh, this is like, this is OG shit, though. That's OG shit. Go one more. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. That's all you what got. What do you got? What's the one you got on yours? I gotta show you. I got oh, wait. Is it this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled it up. Look at him. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> It is so a picture of this, Chevy Chase's face this floating. This is terrible audio. We need to stop yeah, this. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... it's uh, thank you so much for listening to our episode of Stalking Carpenter covering Big Trouble in Little China and Prince of D. Uh, huh. <laughs> uh, next episode, we're going to be covering uh, They Live and Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which is already sounding like it's going to be a fun time. Um uh, I personally want to thank you, listener, for uh, being a subscriber and supporting us. Uh, that's how you're gaining access to this episode back in 2020, unless we have released it to the public many years from now. Um, in which case, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, really appreciate it. We love it. Remember to go to storyscreenbeacon.com to check out a bunch of really cool stuff. Not even trying to push it or advertise it. Just if you like hearing stuff like this, there's loads of it over there. Um yeah, that's it. I got nothing else. Robbie? Uh, nope. Come support us if you want. And if you don't, thanks for being here now. Absolutely. That's uh, what we I will, got. We'll catch you next time on Stalking Carpenter. <sighs> Laters. Peace. Thank you.